23rd annual Apopka International Jazz Fest, starring Pebo Bryson with host Kim Waters, along with Kayla Waters and Ken Ford, Saturday, March 25th at the Apopka Amphitheater. For complete details and tickets, log on to ApopkaInternationalJazzFest.com. Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Okie dokie, it's another media spotlight edition of the show. As my guys, Adam Eaton and Eric Lopez join me, we will talk in depth about NFL playoff coverage on the four networks that are carrying the action and a whole lot more. Eric and Adam standing by in the virtual green room, and they will join us momentarily. As we mentioned, we've uh, now got the AFC and NFC championship games ready to go, and it will be the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. So that uh, could be another epic matchup there. Uh It'll all depend on Patrick Mahomes. How is that ankle going to respond during the week as he gutted out their victory over Jacksonville? Uh, but yeah, that's a, a a big question mark. And of course, boy, what the luxury of having Chad Henney come in for a series and uh, doing some good things there too. So uh, you know, once again, Chad Henney, he's ready when his number is called. Certainly a, a great luxury to have at the backup quarterback position. But, of course, you want a full a full dose of Patrick Mahomes if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. The NFC will have San Francisco taking on Philadelphia. And they really have been the two best teams in the league. So this uh, uh, played out pretty nicely. That's going to be an interesting matchup. That 49er defense, I as a Cowboy fan, very impressed with them and what they what they did against the Cowboys. Um, and again, I have to lament another Cowboy disappointment. Have lost their last eight divisional round playoff contests. And as much as I would have believed Dak Prescott is a on the verge of being an elite quarterback, he's not there yet. The interceptions this year, he's regressing. And he made critical mistakes against the Niners that cost his team. Cowboys had that game there for the taking. But, you know, if it were me, I'd fire Mike McCarthy and hire Sean Payton. Sean Payton could turn Dak Prescott into an elite quarterback, in my opinion. (sighs) You know, and it sounds sad to say after, you know, two straight 12-win seasons, you're getting into the dance, they're just not doing anything once they get there. So you have to think next level up as far as that goes for the Cowboys. But Eagles and Niners, uh, I think that's going to be another one of those uh, uh, slugfests. That's going to be a, a bit of a brawl. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a Cowboy fan, I'm going to have our tyrant free to one of those teams. I think of the four teams are left, I'm going to put my... Support behind the Bengals. And we'll be right back with Adam and Eric after this. Central Florida, it's Pebo Bryson. Double Grammy and double Oscar award winner, Pebo Bryson, performing live 
at the third annual Apopka International Jazz Festival, Saturday, March 25th, at the beautiful Apopka Amphitheater, hosted by world-renowned saxophonist Kim Waters, along with urban keyboardist Kayla Waters, and jazz violinist, the king of string, Ken Ford. It's an evening under the stars, where you'll enjoy incredible music, delicious food and drinks, along with music lovers such as yourself. It's Bebo Bryson Live. Me and the girls will be right there. Saturday, March 25th at the 3rd Annual Apopka International Jazz Festival. Gates open at 4 p.m. For complete details and tickets, visit ApopkaInternationalJazzFest.com. Sponsored in part by United Arts of Central Florida, Orlando Health, Florida Blue, and Tito's Handcrafted Vodka. Get your tickets now. It is time to do another media spotlight edition of the podcast, and we're coming in with, uh, we're doing some TV themes as part of this uh, exercise as well, and uh, we're using Adam's pick first, the NFL on Fox theme, and of course, say we do say hello first to Adam Eaton from the Sons of UCF, the podcast, the live stream, and everything in between. Adam. Jeff, thanks for having me already. I love the new setup. I like the new uh, the musical packages. This is a fantastic. This may be the best one we ever do. I don't know. Foreshadowing. Yeah, you know, yeah, I got a new offensive coordinator and we got some new plays in the playbook. So uh, there you go. And also, jo- yes, and also joining us, he, of course, from Black and Gold Bannerettes, the voice of UCF softball and uh, the man who covers many, many things, Elo Eric Lopez in the house. Uh, we got big. I can tell you got big budgets here for the 2023 uh, year here on the podcast show. This is big time here. Yes, we have uh, we have upgraded. So, guys, again, we uh, thank you for being here, and uh, we'll get to some other uh, NFL uh, TV themes as well. Uh, we'll play Eric's selection, and then we'll play mine throughout the course of the program. So, we're talking NFL, and we're going to start off talking about the NFL playoff announcer teams. You know, who are the studs? Who are the duds? Uh, so let's kind of lead off in that aspect. Of course, you know, we've uh, we've gotten to see that uh, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, as uh, Eric has disappeared on us uh, on, on camera. But uh, <laughs> um, so we got uh, uh, Olson and Burkhart uh, doing the thing on Fox. And of course, uh, they got a lot of exposure yesterday, over 45 million audience for that particular uh broadcast so guys let's start with uh with the fox broadcast and and that team uh eric lead us off well you're right all eyes to me this postseason is on kevin burkhart greg olson this is this is to me we're gonna find out by this run if they're quality number ones in the nfl or not these are the games everybody's watching over 45 million Watch this Cowboys 49ers game, which is the second most watched divisional playoff game ever behind a Packers Cowboys game. In other words, people like watching the Cowboys. Uh, this just in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> including the other two gentlemen over here that are with me here on this show. Um, I thought they were good. I thought Olsen was really good down the stretch, even explaining Dalton Schultz kind of incompetence. <laughs> At tight end, right? Like not getting out of bounds when he was how he was supposed to, and the cat. I thought he was on top of the little things like that. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, Adam, and you in particular. 
on social media, I get a sense there was a lot of NFL media people and people in the industry that went out of their way to compliment Greg Olson and Burkhardt. And I think there is a rooting interest here. I think there's a lot of people rooting for this crew to be successful. Like Dan Orlovsky was coming. Normally you don't see that uh, this much compliment. I think part of it is I think there are some people out there that are rooting for this. They don't like the fact that Greg Olson could lose his job to Tom Brady who might walk off the field. I think that's kind of alienated some in the profession and some of the media. And I think there's a lot of people rooting for this crew to be successful. Do you sense that? I, do. I mean, I was going to say Greg Olson won Twitter on Sunday. I mean, everyone seemed to praise the way he called the game fans. And you're right, Eric. I saw a ton of, of folks in the broadcast world and the media world doing the same. And I thought the same thing. I, I wonder if it's a little bit of taking it for arms for your, for your teammate, right? For your brother, for those in the media who think, Hey, you know, Tom Brady's just going to walk off the field and take, you know, and take Kevin or, or take, uh, take Greg's job and get, you know, alongside Kevin Burkhardt. But I thought Greg was fantastic. And I agree with you, honestly, that Dalton Schultz, um, play where he doesn't get out of bounds and Olsen explains that. I'd never heard that before. I'd always wondered what the rule was and out of bounds. Sometimes they, you know, they wind the clock. Sometimes they don't. And the way he explained that I thought was fantastic. I thought he was on point the entire game. And I do wonder, I think a lot of people probably just assumed as this year went on, like I think we all did early on, that it was kind of a lame duck year for Greg Olson, right? He'd be in the booth. He'd get some reps. He'd do a good job. And I think we all said, hey, if he does a good job, maybe he ends up in that booth. If not, he's a number two for Fox. It's not so bad. And I think a lot of people really tuned into that game. To your point, Eric listened and said, hey, this guy's actually really good. Like perhaps we shouldn't just cast him aside because Tom Brady may or may not want to walk off the sideline and walk in the booth. But I thought he did a really nice job. I saw somebody on Twitter. I think I sent it to you all in our private chat. Um, you know, from the New York Post said this feels like a number one booth. I don't know that you were seeing that or hearing that throughout the uh, throughout the regular season, but I kind of agree with that. As the game went on, it felt like a big game. It felt like a big booth. I thought Greg did a fantastic job. Yes, he had his platitudes, right? You know, if that guy doesn't get a hit, he's running for days and the quarterback can throw forever, right? All the platitudes you hear. Well, and the other thing, too, is like there was, a, you know, obviously they were focusing on the Cowboys kicking situation. And he even said at one point, it's all of Dallas is watching this kick. And I'm like, actually, everybody's watching this, not just in Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> so he does still got some stuff to work, but he's only in his second full year. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think he, he did a great job of simplifying the explanation on things like the Schultz situation and beyond. So I, I, I'm fascinated by this storyline. I think he's going to be fine because I don't think Brady's retiring necessarily. Yeah. But I wonder what Fox executives are thinking. Is a part of them excited because, hey, you know, we don't need Brady? Or are they like, oh, crap, we're going to have an interesting decision here and a dilemma in the next couple of either this year or next year? I, I'm really wondering what the Fox executives are thinking. That being said, they still have an NFC title game and a Super Bowl. And to me, those games, I mean, one, you, you, you're off to a good start. But if you mess up, especially in the Super Bowl where mm. everybody's literally watching, that, 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 you know, it's, it, it's a tight rope there. You, they, they gotta be solid. They gotta hit a home run here. They cannot slip up and give an out, give a reason for, all right, this is our cue. We can like make a move if we want to make a move. So I still think they gotta finish Trump, but they're off to a great start. Yeah, and full disclosure for me, I was listening to the Cowboys radio network audio, so I did not hear them in this particular game. But you know, their their action in the wild card round was good, and you know, and maybe this kind of works out a little bit having that lame duck year under his belt because really, Greg Olson can really just you know let it fly and see where it goes. 
Uh, so maybe maybe he's he's been able to approach this from a very loose standpoint. Now that's going to get a little tighter now, uh, yeah. as as the as the stakes get bigger. But uh, um, you know, I've heard I've heard their broadcasts throughout the year, and you know, solid spec. You know, uh, spectacular. Maybe not yet, but you can definitely see where this where this group is is growing. I, th- well, I think they haven't had that defining game. There's always there's going to be a defining game at some point. Where that crew will be remembered, either with a call in a positive way or in a negative way, as we've seen in the playoffs already. Uh, they haven't had that, you know, classic where people remember your call. That could be coming. And that's where ultimately that's going to be the big moment there. How do they handle that situation when a big moment, whether it's a game winning drive or et cetera? Because uh, you're right. I think they're simple. I think there's good, solid. I think you're happy with them moving forward. But again, how do we feel about them the day after the Super Bowl? I'm very curious. Yeah, I think I think they're ascending, right? I think with any any athlete, you want to be playing at your peak at the right time, right? I think they're they're ascending as we are right here. To Eric's point, that could come crashing down to earth with one minor flub or one viral moment here in the next couple of weeks. But they're in the ascension phase. And I actually agree with you, Jeff. That's one thing I wrote down in my notes as I thought about this. If I'm if I'm Greg Olson. Just let it rip, right? Like, I've got no stress on me. Like, they may want to give it to him anyway. So I might as well just go out there and be myself, you know, be authentic, you know, do what I do, prepare the way I prepare, and, and not be so worried about these things and kind of let it rip. Because to your point, you know, they may replace me with Tom Brady anyway. So I might as well go out and be who I am. And I wonder if there's an element of just the athlete in him saying, you know what, I'm going to go compete for my job. I'm going to do the best I can do. And I'm going to put all the cards on the table and let him figure it out. But I thought they were fantastic. I think Kevin Burkhart's kind of underrated. I think we a lot of commentary on what Greg Olson did, but that doesn't happen without Burkhardt giving him the setup right, getting in and out of breaks, navigating some different things. So I, I think that's I think that's fantastic. The one knock I'd have on them, and I know this is really tough to do live in the in the game, Robert, but you know if you watch some of the the shows on Monday, so the day after the game, uh, first take was one for example, and Dan Orlovsky was on there, kind of showing a, a really crucial play in the game where Dak threw over the middle to Ceedee Lamb. Fred Warner as a linebacker makes a great play, a big incompletion. Dan Orlovsky, you know, kind of shows the camera on the other side and you have a wide open T.Y. Hilton down the side. That's a replay I would have loved to have seen during the game, right? Around showing that out, showing how wide open T.Y. Hilton was and the decision Dak made. I know it's Monday morning quarterback to look at it again and see that kind of stuff. I don't know that Olsen's as good at the telestrator type stuff, kind of Romo-esque. I'm sure we're going to get to Romo in a second. But that's one that I saw that with Orlovsky on Monday and thought, man, if I had seen that on Sunday night as a that, fan, I, I would have been mad about about watching that. I wondered if there was a way to layer that in. I wonder if that, but that's that more on the producer and director than say, Maybe, right? right? Yeah. I mean, because that, that's a, that's part of it. Sometimes the producer and director will tell you, yeah, hey, this is cool. what we got." Um, the other thing I would have liked, they didn't, you know, they were kind of caught off guard when Dallas punted with fourth down and with about over two minutes. And I don't think Olsen really went in depth. Like you could tell he was cut off, cut off guard. And he was like, oh, I, but he didn't really like, oh, I would definitely not have punted or I would punt or I, he didn't go as in strategic as much on that. I think they were kind of rushed into that a little bit. Uh, yeah, Eric, you would know, but you would know this more than I, Eric. So as, as a play by play guy, as a, as a, as an analyst, if Olsen had said, wow, Dak really missed T.Y. Hilton there on the left. You kind of force the producer to go, okay, I got to cue that up now. I got to, I got to call it in, right? It varies. The, really that director's the one that's got to be on top. And sometimes actually the analysts themselves will make that call. Uh, cause you have a, you know, button where you, the, the analyst and the play by play, we could talk to the director 
you know, off the air while we're on the air, if that makes sense. So let's say, you know, while Burkhardt's talking, Greg, in theory, could talk to the director, says, hey, I want to bring that up. I think a more veteran analyst like a Collinsworth, for example, or Aikman probably would do that. Maybe Greg still being young doesn't be forceful. The director, producer can also bring that up. So I think it's sure. a commu- it's a communication thing there. Yeah, that's a great point you make, Eric, because uh, I, I remember years ago I watched uh, Paul McGuire do a USFL game. Uh, we were we were helping do stats for ESPN back in the day, and Paul McGuire, after virtually every play, is hitting the button down to the truck. Give me this replay on on that camera. Often, just about every play. So, yeah, yeah, yeah and, more seasoned guy. And the, and the analyst usually makes the call if they want to push something. And the veterans, um, I mean, full disclosure, I'll just do a self-plug here. I mean, I do the softball play-by-play uh, play with Francesca now. Cheap plug, ESPN Plus. We start February 9th. Uh, <laughs> uh, she will push the button a lot and talk to whoever our producer is that game and say, hey, I want, can you show this play again? Because I, you know, they see the game differently than us. A play-by-play, it's harder to call that because you're thinking about a lot of different things, whereas the analyst like, I can analyze this. Let me, can you show that replay again uh, so I can break that down? Now, there's an obvious call sometimes where, you know, if we keep harping on the point, the one way the play-by-play guy could do it is if he harps on it, to your point, over and over again, and then they might that might get the signal. But usually, the analyst and the director are the ones in communication on that. Yeah, good inside baseball stuff there. I like that very much. We might have more on this down the road. <laughs> the mm-hmm. um, all right, so we, we've covered Fox. Now let's cover CBS. Jim Dance, Tony Romo, and in our thread, we were discussing Tony Romo and the regression that he seems to be taking uh, or continuing, depending on how you look at him. Um, you know, it's almost like he's turning into Phil Sims before our very eyes. Uh, he, Ouch! Mean, I mean, As a Cowboys man. fan, Jeff, that is just insulting wow. on so many levels. <laughs> wow! Well, it, so it, many levels. It's just like you know, uh, you know, it's like on on replays. Everything. Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's what Phil Sims used to say all the time, and it's like you know, pick a side. You know, get behind it. I don't care if you're wrong. Just Pick a side, uh, and then yeah, it's it it is it just looks more and more like there's not a lot of coaching or mentoring that he is getting uh, as far as his 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 analysis is concerned, and it doesn't look like he's put in the work. That's how it looks. Adam, take take your shot on that. Yeah, I think here, here's the problem. I'm going to do that thing we do with athletes, right? Which is just to make a generalization that I have no way of proving or backing up. But we, we do this all the time, right? We say that somebody gets their money and all of a sudden they stop trying as hard, right? Everyone knows the contract year, whoever the player is, whatever sport they are. You know, if it's basketball, they're a great three point shooter. If it's football, they're, you know, a thousand yard rusher. They get their money and then they backslide. See Ezekiel Elliott if you need more details on that. I feel like Romo is kind of falling into that camp, right? Where, <laughs> You're almost kind of like, all right, he got the big money. Is he trying as hard? I, I tried so hard to search for this quote, and I, I remember reading it, and I can't find out who said it. But when Romo came out, and he was a phenomenon early on, he was calling plays, he was doing all that stuff. I read someplace, somebody said, 
That's going to get harder the further removed from the game that he is. The further removed he is from knowing offensive coordinators, knowing some of the players on the on the field, knowing some of the defensive strategies, the further away he gets from the game, the harder that's going to be. And I wonder if, if some of that isn't coming into play here. Because if you're not going to do the homework, if you're not going to do the studying, you don't know the game as well as you did five years ago, then you can all of a sudden see where there's there's opportunity for you to to sound as though you're not prepared for the game. I Eric posed this question in our, in our chat, and I think it's a fascinating one that I'd love the answer to. Again, Romo's clearly stopped doing the tipping plays thing, right, where he was calling out the play in advance. Is that, A, an edict from CBS? Hey, we don't want to do that anymore. Ruins the viewer. Whatever their reasoning is, stop doing that. Or is it, B, Romo trying to evolve as a broadcaster and try to get into something different and not be sort of a sideshow? Or, C, is he just not prepared anymore for that kind of that you know that kind of work? I think that's super fascinating because you take away that element of Tony Romo. To your point, Jeff, he becomes kind of generic. He becomes kind of you know makes a lot of, a lot of loud grunting noises, a lot of platitudes, a lot of ah, Jim. I don't know what could be in, and a lot of that stuff where you you're not really adding any color, any context, any flavor to the broadcast. So I wonder what prompted that change because I do think that was the thing he had that was special that we all said man that's different I'm not hearing that anywhere else now to your point Jeff he sounds like pretty much any other color analyst and if he's not going to find that special lane that thing he has that nobody else has He's a middle of the road analyst. He's not terrible. He's not great. He's not going to make the game better or worse, but he's not, he's not where he was. And so for that reason alone, it feels like there's regression. And I think that's a question I'd love somebody to, you know, put a, uh, some truth serum in some CBS executives and find out what the reason is behind why Tony Romo isn't tipping plays anymore. Eric, what's your thought on that? First of all, there's a lot of cowboy bashing here. We need some cowboy fans on this show, I mean, to be supportive of this team. Holy smokes. I mean, you're bashing yeah. Ezekiel Elliott, Romo. I mean, my goodness. Uh, this is what happens after a cowboy loss, playoff loss, I guess. I, we might be a little salty, yeah. There's a lot to cook. A little salty, fair. <laughs> fair. Um, let's, there's a few, a lot of things here. I'm still a Romo guy, first of all. Let me just say that. I, I think what's happened now is... At the beginning, there was this hoopla, an explosion of excitement that's like, wow, that maybe got a bit too far. Now I feel like we're going the other way with it. We're, now we're just burying the guy. I don't think he's bad. Like, Phil, that is, my goodness, that is, I wouldn't, that is, that's, that's cold, man. That's, that's rock bottom. Um, tough. That's tough. I will say, but however, here, here's the thing. You brought up Adam. Who, what happened with him predicting plays? Because that, was what made him different. And I'll, and I've said it. I think that 20, I think it was 2018 AFC title game, the New England, Kansas City one. He, that might have been one of the greatest performances by an analyst ever. Everybody loved that broadcast where he was telling you where Brady was going with the ball and the Gronk and this is what's coming. I think somebody did tell him to knock that off. Uh, I, now Jim Nance recently did a podcast. We're not the only, believe it or not, folks, we're not the only sports media podcast, uh, that does sports media shows. We're only the best. That's all. Yes. But he said that that was Romo's decision to do that. I don't buy that. I think players and coaches got upset with Romo because think about it by him predicting these plays. People are thinking, well, if he knows what's coming, how come the coaches don't know what's coming, right? Didn't that Chiefs defensive coordinator in that game get fired shortly after that game? I think he got backlash 
from players and coaches, maybe not directly to him, but maybe to the CBS executives saying, can he knock that off? He's making us look back. I remember Collinsworth and other analysts were like, oh, sure, he, you know, we could do that too, but we choose not to do it. I think there's an unwritten rule there that we're not aware of because I think players and coaches feel that makes them look bad. And the problem that Romo has is, if you make them look bad, guess what? They're not going to feed you information anymore. They're going to cut you off. So I think that's what happened there. And I think that's thrown Romo off a little bit. So that's part of the story there. The other part of it is I don't think Tony Romo wants to be an NFL analyst. I think he wants to be a TV broadcaster. And I think that's part of the problem. I don't think he just wants to be, yeah, I can just call plays. He tries to inject himself into a broadcast with even some of his comments like, Buffalo, it can't end this way, can it? Like he tries to throw in his narratives instead of just being an analyst, letting Jim Nance do his thing. I think Roma, who is a fan of broadcasting, I think feels like I, because of the money I'm making, I need to be more than just an analyst. I think the money's actually had an opposite effect. I think he's trying to do too many things instead of just doing what he's there to do, in my opinion. Hmm. You know, in our thread, I kind of mentioned, you know, you know, I, he to me was looking on the path of being like the next Madden, right? When when he came out, because he and and what made Madden great was Madden did things his way, and and he was allowed to do things his way, and that's what worked for him. And to me, if you've got all this this flair and this flavor, and you've been able to, you know, just electrify, you know, because the viewership loved it. More than anything, you know, if you're able to electrify the, your audience that way, why wouldn't you continue doing that? And I know you do, you do bring up that that unwritten rule kind of thing. Yeah, there there's probably some politics involved in all of this, but right. but you know, I kind of go back to you know somebody's got to like coach him into doing something similar or different than just what he's doing now. The problem is who's going to do that? Yeah. That, who, who, who do you call on to do that? And maybe he seeks advice and stuff, but he's making a good, healthy number of salary. So I don't think Jim Nance is going to tell him what to do. I think Jim Nance is just there for the ride. He's like, he's my friend. He's, you know, let's go have some dinner. Um, but I, I don't think this was his call because there was a moment in the Buffalo game where I think Buffalo went for it on a fourth down and one. And you could tell Romo was about to predict what they were going to do. He's like, oh, they're going to sneak it. And then he goes, or they could hand it off. It's almost <laughs> like he's stopping himself from predicting because he knows in his head, I can't predict this. I'm going to get in trouble. I think that's what's messed him up. I think he's trying to add personal, uh, a TV stuff. And I think it gets him in trouble because he doesn't give Jim Nance kind of breathing room. When Jim Nance makes a call on a touchdown, the, as an analyst, usually you're supposed to lay out for a couple seconds. He doesn't lay out. He kind of chimes in, right? Jumps in two feet in like, oh, Jim, this is incredible. You know, it's like, I think he's trying to do a mini Madden in a way sometime. Like, oh, this is incredible, Jim. I don't, you know, and it kind of, he just doesn't stop. I think he likes talking. I think he likes talking, but I don't think he likes talking about what his job is basically supposed to be, which is, hey, this is what the left tackle is doing. He's like, eh, let me tell you, Jim, this is just too goofy, you know, um, I think he enjoys so you a think TV personality more than yes, that's analyst. a great word. Yeah, that's the and, way, I think maybe, that's what he's trying to do. Yeah, and maybe I've seen too many subway commercials, but <laughs> where I'm at with Romo right now is: does he want to be Chris Collinsworth or does he want to be Charles Barkley? 
right? Does he want to be bigger than life personality who has, you know, all this, you know, gravitas and the ability to talk on any subject and people kind of love and adore him? Or does he want to be Collinsworth who X's and O's? Here's what happened. Left guard pulled, right tackle went this way, receiver ran a uh, slot route. Well, who does he want to be? I feel like he's kind of stuck between those two worlds right now, right? Does he want to be the Barkley personality type where he can be gregarious and laugh and say whatever he wants and people find him funny? Or does he want the credibility of being like, nobody knows X's and O's better than I do? I think he's started off there but it's now kind of morphed a little bit over to the other side and i think that's where people are confused because they're like whoa i thought you were the x and o's guy i thought you were the guy who was going to tell me that the right flanker went left on this one and should have gone right and here comes the hook route I-, I think people thought that's what he was going to be he's changed from that and i think everyone's having a hard time putting that into place and i only use charles barkley as the example because they're on the subway set together for those commercials which <laughs> by the way how much is subway paying for all those star athletes to be on uh, on all those commercials i gotta i need to need a dollar figure on that marketing budget but does he want to be collinsworth or does he want to be barkley i think he's gonna to have to make that decision soon i think he's decided though so that's the thing i think he wants to be barkley and let me defend him on this i think the football fans like us could be critical but i'm gonna tell you the story my sister like and my niece they're not football fans they love tony romo though they like listening to him i think he actually attracts the non-football fan that doesn't care about the X's and O's as much, but just likes the, oh, he sounds funny, he's entertaining, he's a good-looking guy and all that. I think he draws that audience that probably likes him more than, say, the diehard football guy that's, like, expecting more. I think he's polarizing. I definitely think he's the most polarizing analyst right now in the NFL. Yeah, I, I probably see some credence to that, you know. Uh, yeah, he definitely is a guy that is you know, certainly has the personality. We, you know, he's he he has shown that time and again. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where 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 he evolves in in that part of the process. So let's flip over to NBC, and of course, during the playoffs, they they have also provided two crews, and uh, we're going to talk about the second one first because that's the one that's uh, drawing the most lightning, if you will. Uh, Al Michaels, uh, after his. Uh, year with Amazon and of course his new role as emeritus at NBC Sports he calls the playoff game with Tony Dungy in which the uh, Jaguars rally from 27 to nothing to win that game and the heavy criticism was it's like this was like the most bland boring broadcast <laughs> that has ever been presented for a playoff game and uh, my first take on that is you know angry al during Amazon, you get these crappy Thursday night games. Obviously, these Thursday night games aren't going away because they're getting you know a ton of money for them. But Thursday night football is a bad product for the league in general. It works on Thanksgiving Day, but every week it's a terrible product for the league. But they're getting paid, so it doesn't matter. I think Angry Al works kind of in that prime world, but not so much on a playoff game. Adam, what's your thought? Yeah, you, you call him angry, Al. He kind of came across as apathetic, Al, during that game. It, it, he almost seemed like he just didn't care. Um, and I, I read somebody say, basically, has Al Michaels lost his fastball? And I wonder if there's just an element of... I mean, Al's used to the big games, right? He's used to the big games, the big stage, the bright lights. I live in Jacksonville, so no disrespect, but Jags Chargers Saturday night, 8 o'clock slot, doesn't really scream that, right? And I wonder if there's an element of him that was looking over being like, why don't I have that game? Why, why, why am I not on the other broadcast? Why isn't Tariko here for this one? Why am I not over there? So I wonder if there's still that a little bit of that twinge of jealousy, the twinge of this was my seat and now it's there. But it was, 
I, I, it was the strangest thing I've seen, guys, because there were clearly exciting moments in that game where you could have, you know, the voice inflection could have been there. You could have, you know, screamed at, hey, that's a big first down. There were plenty of opportunities to do that. And he bypassed all of them to the point where after a while, you're like, okay, you miss one. Producers talking, maybe you didn't quite get the, the cadence down the way you wanted to. But as the game went on, to me, it was like, this feels like a concerted effort. It feels like he's, he's going out of his way to not try to, to do that. And I don't think Tony Dungy helps him because no. if you put a Romo in the booth, who's, Oh my God, look at that throw. But perhaps that, that raises your level of excitement. Tony clearly wasn't in that space either. And it just kind of became. Like a better word, two grandpas just kind of watching the game together, <laughs> like drinking some Shirley Temples. And it just didn't feel like the broadcast that that kind of game deserved. Granted, at halftime, 27 nothing or 27 three, whatever the score was, clearly all of us are like, well, this thing's over. But it just felt like Al was super apathetic just from the start and never kind of raised his consistency. And I don't know if that's just him just being like, Hey, I can do what I want. I'm Al, I'm Al Michaels. Or if there was some, you know, underlying, you know, uh, animus feelings still about his exit from NBC. I think he checked out 27 nothing, thinking, oh, here we go, just like the whole year, another check down. And I don't think they – I think it got caught off guard that the Jags made a comeback. I think he thought – And we all did, by the way, to be fair. I right, think everybody yeah. watching that game did. The difference is his job is not to get caught off guard. That's the whole point. Your whole point is to stay interested in this game, to keep people interested. Like, he was sarcastic about that. Like, even in the start of the third quarter, he asked Tony Dungy about that comeback between the Colts and the Bucks, right? And Dungy explained how the Colts came back and all that. And, and then Al made that snide remark about, see, that's how we keep the audience here, Tony. You know what I mean? Like, he um, – I think that was part of it. I actually think there was some behind-the-scenes stuff that we're not aware of. I think he wanted to work with Collinsworth. I think he requested to work with Collins. It's just guessing. And I think he got denied. And you put in Tony Dungy, which made no sense. The guy, like, here's the, and I'm going to defer to you on this one, Adam, because you are the only one that watches, you know, like the USFL, for example. So you are, you, you found Jim Jackson on a big three a couple years ago. So you are okay, the guy that yeah. can find talent in the sport. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, work the games of USFL as an analyst, right? With Collins, uh, Chris Collinsworth, kid, Jock. So Jason Garrett did those games, and then he did Notre Dame games this year. Why wasn't he the choice in the booth? I'm not saying he's good. I'm going to defer to you. You've watched more. Jason. Nobody knows more Jason Garrett than you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From a year standpoint, I'm not sure I want. Know. I'm not sure I want that label, by the way. But I'll take it for right now. <laughs> My oh. point is, as we continue the cowboy bashing on this show um, by two cowboy guys, is. If he's been doing color all year long, why isn't he getting this assignment? That made no sense. Dungy's a studio guy who has no personality, has no energy. And I think Dungy's energy, lack of energy sucked any energy Al had in that game. I think we underestimate why Al and Collinsworth were so good is because Collinsworth has constant energy. Oh, Al, look at that play. It's, a, it's such incredible. And why I think people may have not liked him at Herb Street. Herb Street had energy, okay, he, as well. There was no energy here, and I don't think Al knew how to handle that. I don't think Al wanted to work with Dungy. I don't even know if those two have ever hung out. I don't think they would ever hang out. They're probably two of the complete opposite human beings. It was a bad uh, fit, 
And I think it resulted in what we saw. But again, I'm in a different. Why wasn't Garrett uh, the pick here, who at least has been in the booth for a year? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you know who I would have gone with, and I don't know how much play by play or color commentator he's done. I'd have gone with Chris Sims. I mean, he's he's a personality. He's out there. I mean, he's he's a young guy. I don't know how much he's done in the booth, but I think that would have risen a little bit of because I think Jason Garrett's kind of Tony Dungy with a little bit more of excitement at times. But I don't I don't know that he's kind of in depth. I think he's okay. You know, middle of the road uh, kind of broadcaster. I think he's still got some room to grow, though. I don't. To be fair to him, he's only done it a few years. I, I would have loved to have seen Chris Sims maybe get in there. He's he's kind of polarizing. He'll say the dumb thing. He'll be like, "Ah, oh, Trevor Lawrence is the thirty third, you know, best quarterback in the league, right?" And then Lawrence will come back with a you know a win, and then he'll have to kind of defend that. Uh, I, yeah, I don't I don't know why Tony Dungy was selected. It was an odd week for him too, off the off the field, out of the booth. He got in some tangles here and there. Uh, maybe that kind of weighed on him a little bit. I don't know, but it was, it was an odd fit to begin with. And it's, to me, that's where NBC kind of misses is you see CBS take chances on a guy like Tony Romo a few years ago, right? You see Fox taking a chance on a Greg Olson, on a Tom Brady who we don't know who he's going to be. NBC always kind of seems like we're going to just go with the safe solution and nothing defines safe. Well, maybe I should qualify this because he's had a rough week, but. Tony Dungy is typically safe, right? Like here, here he is. Here's what he's going to do. And I feel like that they went with a safe route and it just kind of backfired on them. And I feel like they, they don't have that person they can kind of pull out of the, out of the, out of the ranks and go, Hey, you're going to, you're going to get a shot here where I think Fox, CBS, maybe even ESPN would have done something like that. But it, it just, it just didn't hit from the beginning. But I, I would have gone Chris Sims. I would have gone Jason Garrett. Rodney Harrison would have been an improvement. <laughs> you you give me Chris Sims. You want to do something different, Eric? You give me Chris Sims and Matthew Barry in that booth. Well, what, be I don't think, I, right? The problem is, I don't think Al would have agreed to that. That's fair, and that's that's probably the issue. Sure, I think there. I think that goes back to the behind the scenes things. NBC is whiffed on this two years in a row because yeah. Drew Brees bombed in the in the same spot with Tariko last year. So I think this goes back to the Drew Brees, you know, bombing here. Uh, NBC has really dropped off. Like, I used to be a huge fan at the beginning, Sunday Night Football, where they had Madden and Al, and you had Collinsworth in the studio, and you had Costas and Dan Patrick. They have dropped off significantly across the board to the point where, as I'll get into this later, I think they're in trouble moving forward as far as getting marquee games. But going back to this particular deal, next year, they're going to be an interesting decision. Who do they Do they give Al that game still? I say Yes. I'm going to give you the name who I think should be in that booth then. And I'm, and this is assuming they don't make other moves on their, on their studio or things like that, which they should. But if they don't, let's just say this is the, the options I have. I think Todd Blackledge is going to be the analyst for that game who just is going to go to NBC to do the big 10 games with Noah Eagle for the, what's really the third best Big Ten game. When I looked at that, I'm like, wow, that's interesting because I would argue you're not getting the marquee games like you would as a number two on ABC. So there's got to be more to this. Obviously, financially, there's probably more to it. But I think Todd Blackledge, it would not surprise me if you see him as part of that Hmm. NFL coverage and maybe be that analyst in this uh, that other divisional or wild card game with Al, potentially. Yeah, and he... And he's giving NBC some great credibility on the college side right out of the shoot. So that's a that's a big thing there. Um, you know, I found it interesting, too, uh, that Al was somewhat defensive of all the criticism he's gotten uh, through social media and all that. I know he's not a social media guy, but uh, the fact that he was defensive, he probably would have been better off not saying anything at all, because I think that only adds to 
Well, they reached out to him. And, yeah. I mean, Marchant reached out to him for comments right away. And look, as broadcasters, you're always going to defend yourself at first. You're not going to, yeah, you're right. We were terrible. Tony's, Andrew, you have no idea how bad this was. Like, it was a bit, no, I think he was quick, very defensive right away. I wonder if he's, he has time to reflect if he'll change his mind on that or not. Maybe he won't admit that publicly. Broadcasters usually, if you get them right away, you're not going to get a true ant, uh, response because it's all blur. I want, If you ask him a few months later, if he watches the game back, he might have a different answer. Well, he hasn't done that all year, though. I, I saw an interview he did uh, talking about Amazon and talking about some of the comments he made. And he was like, look, the viewer knows it's a bad game. You know, what am I supposed to do? I think I think he's just kind of been in that state all year long where, you know, he's just going to this is his opinion. He's not he's not going to hide it. I don't I don't think he's got that that gear right now where he's willing to sort of go back and sort of do the mea culpas. I think he's just going to forge ahead and say, like, what do you want me to do? This is the game I got. We did the best we could. Here's why I did this. I don't think he's going to have any sort of look back and go, okay, I should I should do that one again. Well, and I think he is probably a little frustrated to have all this turned out. I mean, think about it. The chip on the shoulder. Yeah. The chip yeah. on the shoulder from the standpoint of he thought he was going to, A, he got pushed out, right? NBC, like, like I'm still good at this. Why, why are you pushing me out? To, all right, well, maybe I'll get Troy Aikman, which, boy, think back. That would have been interesting. I think Troy would have, that would have been really good. Except Troy goes to Monday night. Aldis can't go to ABC either because Joe Buck goes to Monday night. He doesn't go to Fox. He's trying to get his buddy Sean uh, uh, McVeigh. McVeigh stays in coaching. He ends up selling on Herb Street. He's doing Denver and Indianapolis. And he probably hit him in that game like, why am I doing this game? What am I doing? What? Like, what? This is a drill. What are we doing? And I think that's, you're right. I think that's kind of where it all turned for him. Yeah, it's a... It's definitely the fact that he's carrying that chip on his shoulder for sure, uh, as far as all that goes. So, NBC's other team, of course, Tariko and Collinsworth, they were their usual outstanding selves as always. And and I and I saw a great tweet from Steve Zabin that really encapsulated Tariko as best because you know NBC puts up the graphic, you know, because you know, Justin Tucker's had a had an off year as a field goal kicker. He's mix, mix, he's missed six field goals and. On that graphic, Tariko just quickly chimes in. You know, three of those were plus 50 yards and two of them were blocked. You know, I mean, just a, you know, that's just great. Quick drop of a knowledge coinciding with the graphic gives viewer good insight in, into, you know, why Justin Tucker is an all world like he normally is. So it, those kind of nuggets are kind of nice. I, I, I like those kind of little things. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's very hard to complain about Tariko and Collinsworth. You know what you're going to get every time out. Uh, I saw that same tweet that you're referencing, Jeff, uh, about kind of adding in that little nugget of context that the the casual viewer at home probably doesn't know, but is probably thinking like, gee, he missed six kicks. And before you're, you're even done thinking it, he's telling you how you missed those kicks, right? I, I think it's those little nuance, those little details. You know, Eric talked about it earlier with uh, uh, the Olsen Burkhardt thing, maybe setting up an analyst, getting in the ear of the producer, getting, hey, let's cue that one back. I think that's where he's just got all the levers at his disposal, knows which ones to pull at which times. Collinsworth obviously knows the game inside and out. Uh, quality broadcast. Anytime they're on, I don't have to worry about, not that I worry, quote unquote, air quotes, right? But there are broadcasts like, you know, as even though I'm a Cowboys fan, it was Burkhardt and it was Olsen. And part of me was like, I want to, I want to really pay attention and listen to how this broadcast goes. With Tariko and Collinsworth, I can kind of just coast. I don't have to like, 
dig in and find the thing because they just know they're going to be good. Uh, and I think that's the, maybe the biggest compliment I can give them is there's nothing I need to listen for to critique because I just know they're going to be good. Where, you know, somebody like a Olsen or Burkhardt, I'm kind of listening in for those moments. But, you know, Collinsworth, Tariko, Gold Standard, um, you know, again, I kind of waffle back and forth. I, I don't have my top five here. I think they may have gone to number one. I usually have Buck and Aikman. One. I think they may go down to number two this year. I'm not really sure. I got to figure that out. But I think Tariko and Collinsworth, gold standard you can never get a, bro- a bad broadcast out of those two well nobody benefited more than Tariko after the owl game than Tariko, right because then he has that fumble call right away and it's like it's almost i think if nbc quietly was probably glad how it worked out i think they were kind of glad al got criticized and then Tariko's it makes them look good all right on the side um look Tariko's always prepared you know it's kind of his style similar to mine and we like to have all these extra little nuggets in there to throw in there uh, my only critique, and it's a nitpick more than anything, is I don't some, and I, I think it's they gotten better as the year went on, and, and sometimes you got to get used to each other. You know, Collinsworth like you know likes to get set up. You could tell when you listen to Collinsworth that he loves getting set up. He likes having conversations and loves talking football, and he did that with hours. Mike is not a conversational type. He's not going to like get into the weeds of Aaron Rodgers' future with, you know, and you know, hey, what do you think? I mean, what about these receivers, Chris? And you know, that he kind of stays in the simplistic role there. Nuts and bolts. Yeah. Nuts and bolts, you you know, and I think Chris has kind of had to adjust there as well. Whereas Al is like, well, what do you think, Chris? And they'll have a good laugh and you know, and and, and type of stuff. So that's my only tweak there, but I mean, they're fine. I mean, they're solid. And I think from NBC standpoint, you don't have nothing to worry about for, you know, the foreseeable future, uh, from that standpoint. So while I prefer Al and Chris as a combo, you're fine with Tariqa. Tariqo is nuts and bolts solid. And Chris will adapt. Chris is, and I think he's kind of adapted to where he's like, all right, I'm just going to set myself up and create my own conversation if Mike doesn't want to do that, which is fine too. Yeah. Outstanding. So, so we've talked about NBC. So now, that brings me to uh, Eric's choice for NFL theme, which goes like this. Those are some great horns. That is the old NBC Sunday night theme. Uh, the NBC Sunday. I love the NBC Sunday night theme, both the original and the current ones they have and the one we're listening to. I, I, it gets you fired up. Yeah, it sounds big game, right? Yes, big game music. There you go. I still picture Al with John Madden. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was a high star, the high bar. I mean, that was when NBC, I used to love that pregame show. Back in the day when you had Dan Patrick, you had Costas on site. Collinsworth was actually in the studio. You had Peter King as your NFL insider, and it's gone downhill. <laughs> like, I used to record that show, like, because I would watch the four o'clock games and then watch it again. Now it's like, I don't want to watch it. This no. is abysmal. Yeah. I, it, it, like, first of all, all these pregames are terrible. Yes. Uh, but NBC has gone south. Like, I like Matthew Barry, but I feel like he's overused there now. It's almost annoying. Like, why do I care what Matthew Barry? <laughs> Where's way too much Matthew Barry? Then we got Florio, you got Chris Sims in there, you got. It's just I don't know. It's all over the place. It's like it's, uh, it's like Tariqa was the last good thing that was in the studio for them, right? Right, because he's a great yeah. host. He knows yeah. how to traffic cop. 
you're right. Uh, uh, he's a to me, he's a fantastic host. And Maria is obviously adjusting to the NFL life, too. She's from the college world. Uh, but again, Jason Garrett, what did they see in him? That's what I what do these executives see? And sometimes when they make these selections, because I haven't seen it from Jay, and he's got that weird smirk. Yeah. Like the worst thing is that, that <laughs> promo, that 30 yeah. second promo. They come yeah. back and like, oh, you know, the Buccaneers look strong and. Daniel Jones, and he got that weird smirk. I'm like, what? Is this? It's kind of a weird guy. Honestly, Eric, honestly, what I think it is, I think it's the cowboy shine, right? I mean, if you think about it, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure to be funny yeah. here. Like, no, ex cowboys, right. ex cowboys, coaches, players, quarterbacks find their way into booths and find their way into studios. And I think there's a bit of that ex cowboy mentality that you They're said, known okay, commodities, right? We know this guy's name. Like, we know who he is. Let's bring him on set. You know, it's football, but again, he's not a personality that I, I can't, I'm not waiting on a Sunday night spec. I wonder what Jason Garrett's going to say about this play. That's, I'm not anywhere close to that. Off topic, by the way, but you, you made a great point, Eric. The entire pregame show genre in the NFL needs that overall. Oh, God. Adla. Every, everybody, like, I can't even name. If you ask me to tell you the best studio pregame show right now, I don't even, I don't even know where I would go. And Adam has a NFL bottom Network. five for that. <laughs> I do. NFL Network I saw the other day had like 13 people on set. Like I don't even know who's talking half the time. ESPN's got the same thing. Their desk is all configured. I'm looking at Teddy Bruschi's back half the show. Fox, Fox has just gotten seven. They had Fox seven. got old in a hurry. I don't know what to do with Terry Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson. They feel like they're just collecting checks at this point. Michael Strahan has 13 other jobs. I don't know how much he's invested in the NFL. Gronkowski, maybe he's funny. Maybe he's not. I can't take him seriously. Seriously, CBS has as Phil Sims and Boomer Esiason, who were quarterbacks when I was like ten, and I'm still watching them on TV. The entire genre needs overall. Oh, it's atrocious! Yeah. Like overall. the only reason I had to, I'm forced to watch it now because it's on before a playoff game. You know, the regular season I ignore it, but I, I, I like the Fox one. Just like I think Sean Payton actually is pretty good. The problem is he can't breathe because there's like seven people there. Yeah, and like. You're right. They don't get rid of anybody. They add, and I, I, for whatever reason, they feel like ten people or as, get as many people in a show is good. Like, no, give me less. Like, CBS brought in Matt Ryan to the studio. Wait, who came up with that idea? And he's shaking. You know, it's just I'm confused by the whole thing. It's annoying and it's archaic because it used to be the pregame show used to be where you get all the information back in the day. Well, now everybody's watching. NFL 24, you can get that information Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday. By Sunday, it's all archaic. And, they, and they've evolved into debate shows, too. Yeah. I will tell you the best, and it's not a pregame show, but I think it could qualify. If they wanted to do it, they could do it. And they kind of did it on Mondays this way. I like the NFL live set. Yeah, I agree. To me, that's the best NFL show. It's not a pregame show, but I think it's the best NFL show because, first of all, they don't take themselves too seriously, which I think is good. Uh, I think Orlovsky in the studio is really good. Uh, but I like the fact that, that guys like Marcus Spears will go after him. Keyshawn, I think Kimes is fantastic. I think Rutledge is a fantastic host. I think that's the best. And that's the one NFL show I watch. And I get all what I need. And I'm not yeah. feeling like I'm being like, you know, force feed or, you know, with stereotype. I, I, that's to me the one NFL show I would watch. They should make that the pregame. I actually don't mind the Monday night countdown show for ESPN. If I had to pick, I actually liked what, and I thought they were fantastic on Monday night prior to the Bucks Cowboys game. But you're right. There's still too many people in that show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you could you could go for days. I'll tell you, I don't watch any of them. I mean, like on Sunday, I'm watching college basketball. Up until three o'clock 
kickoff on the NFL. It's just, me too. No, yeah. me too. That's what I'm begging. I was trying beg- and what I don't understand is none of them have uh, stolen the idea from college game day. Like college game day has a lot of people, but they've done it in a way where it's not as annoying. Yeah. Like David Pollock's not on every segment. Desmond Howard's not on every segment. Uh, you know, Herb Street not is kind of the only constant that's on every segment, and McAfee obviously was added. But in other words, they have a lot of people on the show, but you don't. They kind of rotate it. Whereas the NFL shows, they don't rotate; they're all there, and, they, and everybody has to throw in their two cents in like a, in a block. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. Well, you mentioned uh, you know uh, Buck and Aikman, the 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 Bucks Cowboys. And of course, uh, Eric, your your analysis was uh, pretty good. That's like okay, they get the Cowboys for for a wild card game because of the broadcast crew, and that's a that's a different story these days. You know, they're not they're not assigning games because of broadcast crews normally, right? Correct. And you know, it's always the interesting comment because people will say, "Well, nobody wa- comes to watch. Nobody watches the play-by-play or the broadcast teams when they watch the sporting event. They, you know, why are they making that much money? I agree. They they don't affect viewership. People are going to watch no matter who the crew is. However, however, they do make a difference. And I think you've seen this with Buck and Aikman. There is no way, no way." That ABC and ESPN would ever even get the Cowboys in a play game if Buck and Aikman aren't the the crew, and the reason is they have great and Brady, ability. Yeah. and what you've seen, and Brady, correct? Cowboys against Brady, no way they would ever get that game. There's no way. There's no other crew that would get that game, and the reason is they're a great crew. They have great chemistry, and they make the game bigger. Monday Night Football felt big when they were doing a game like that. Cowboy Buck Buck game, they. There's a way that, and I don't know how, it's just the great ones have it. They know how to make that game feel big. And they are great at it. And I think what moving forward, you see they're going to have flexing on the Monday night schedule starting next year. They're also going to get a divisional playoff game next year as well as a wild card game. So I think that doesn't happen without the NFL like, oh, Buck and Aikman, we're good with that. We're comfortable. You don't have to worry about it. My prediction is I think ABC Monday Night Football will start getting better games than Sunday night football in the flexing schedule. In fact, Troy Aikman, who is <laughs> when I, there's not a better podcast interviewer right now than Troy Aikman, who will speak his mind. And in the most recent, he did a podcast interview recently and they asked him about the schedule at Monday night football and all that. And he's like, you know, we're going to get flexing next year. And I expect uh, us to get the best games. Kind of like Sunday night football took some of our best games on Fox. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he is competitive. Like he is like he is he said that he was not happy when Sunday night would take away his games, which he made comment on that on the air during the Bucks Eagles playoff game a couple of years ago. Yeah. He was ticked that CBS got the cowboy. He is not afraid to share his opinion. And he has just become an aggressive analyst from that standpoint. And I think him and Buck are perfect. Uh, I, I'm a huge Manning cast fan. I barely watched it this year because I just stayed on Buck and Aikman the whole year. Yeah, so you said that Monday Night Football felt big again. First time since yes, Al you, and John, right? I think so. I think this is the best crew they've had since Al and Joe. I mean, you can make some arguments maybe. I mean, I'm not saying they have some bad crews. Like, I actually like Tariko and Gruden. I was fine with them. But they're not at the level of uh, Buck and Aikman. And, again, they just know how to make a big game feel big. Um and wait till I think when they get the better scheduling next year with the flex. Oh my goodness, it's going to go through the roof. Yeah, I bet all the games will be on ABC moving forward too. 
Yeah. If, if not, if not all of them, a majority. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so you see that. Yeah. You, you, you will never be able to convince me that Jimmy Pataro, the president of ESPN, didn't go to the NFL and said, look, I upgraded my crew. I upgraded this. I'll do more of this. I'll do more package. I'll do more graphics. Whatever you want. We are all in on NFL. And I think the NFL took notice and said, okay, you know what? They've done this. You know, they, they put a good crew together. I think to Eric's point, I think there's certainly some behind the scenes, uh, uh lobbying from Jimmy Pataro and say, Hey, if I upgrade, can you guarantee me and a better opportunity for, for more games? And I think NFL is making good on that. I got, I think Buck and Aikman are good. It just felt a little weird on ESPN. I don't know why. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm used to that Fox music and then they're, I'm Joy. This is Troy. Like I'm used to that being the thing. So it took me a while to kind of get used. There we go. It took me a while to kind of get used to the, the GMC pregame show for 15 minutes of Joe and Troy bantering about and all that stuff. But by the end of the year, you kind of settle in and you realize, it's the same, you know, Joe and Troy, same good broadcast. Obviously the, you know, the, the Mar Hamlin game that they, they called for the, the Bills and the, and the Bengals. There's no precedent for how, how to do that. I think they handle themselves as well as you can expect anyone can, to handle themselves. And I don't know that any of their crew could have done essentially kind of what they did. Maybe Jim Nance has a little bit more of that, that studio polish to do some of that stuff. But I think they had a great first year. If I'm ESPN to your point, Eric, like arrow pointing upwards. I'm going to get better games. I'm going to get, you know, I'm, I'm going to have better opportunities. I'm probably going to expand the pregame show to 35 analysts at that point too, by the way. But I think they're, I think the, the arrow is pointing up if I'm a, if I'm ABC ESPN. Well, you laugh about that. If you watch their de- the Monday, if you had ESPN yeah. on on Monday with did, that, yeah. for that Cowboy Buck game, they I think two that was sets a- working. Yeah. It was a dress rehearsal for when they get the Super Bowl, which they'll get in a few years, where everybody was on location. And it was fantastic. I, I, it was, it really came off good, uh, from that standpoint. And again, it's worth pointing out next year, they'll have flex scheduling on Monday night football right around week 13 or week 14. It'll begin similar to Sunday night football, which will be fascinating how the NFL kind of figures all that out. Uh, I think they're going to get better games. They have the wild card game and a divisional playoff game. This is one thing I like starting next year. All the networks will have the divisional playoff game. It's not like it's been where, hey, the network, one of the networks will have two games, divisional games. Now it's going to be all four of them will have a divisional playoff game. And again, Buck and Aikman make that happen. They don't do, they don't get that with other crews they've had in the past. No way. Yeah. Well, the investment paying off, I guess, right? That's, that's why I matched my point. Yeah. My original point is broadcasters, that's where they're worth. That's where their value comes in is they make the broadcast credible. They make the net, you know, the presentation credible and people like them. Then you, I felt a lot of people like the broadcast. I mean, I know Manning cast people still got decent numbers, but I didn't hear as much buzz about Manning cast this year as last year because I think there was more focus on Manning cast because people like didn't care what was being said on the other broadcast where now, like Aikman still made headlines like every time he was critical of the officials and saying that quarterbacks are being treated too easily like he still makes comments that people are interested in yeah for sure and before we switch topics I'm going to play my favorite NFL TV theme I went old school Uh, of course I am a little older than you guys Uh, (laughs) but uh, this goes back this harkens to the days of Madden and Summerall this is early 80s CBS. A lot of their themes were similar sounding back in this day. 
Can, can we all agree the greatest uh, sports theme song of all time is Round Ball Rock, uh, the old NBC NBA song? And now the Fox College basketball theme. And I'm starting to get used to that on Fox now, believe it or not. Yeah, the only problem is now, yeah, that's being used on Fox. And then, like, All Elite Wrestling bought rights to that song. too, So now they use it on their deal. So now, like, it's like, oh, it's been ruined. But, by the way, the CBS NFL, the one after this theme is the one I like from the mid-late 80s. Mm-hmm. I like that one as my favorite CBS one. But uh, this is, you know, this is, uh, you're right. This was definitely before me, though. Yeah, and this, was, and this is really when Madden started to become Madden. No question. From this time in, in era. So, there you go. So, sprinkle in a little uh, sports TV themes. Let's stick with the NFL quickly for a moment. So, NFL Sunday tickets. Goes to YouTube after finishing up their 18-year run on DirecTV. Uh, you know, it's a it's a sad day for me because I haven't paid for Sunday ticket in like five years. So now I'm gonna have to fork over money for it again. <laughs> so that's that's gonna be a little. Wow. That's gonna We're be inside info here, Adam. Here, a little inside. Well, he, it looks like I can tell by my investigative skills. He's got a DirecTV remote on the table behind him, <laughs> which means he calls every year, threatens to cancel, and they tell him, "No, no, no, sir, don't do that, don't do that," and he gets it for free. All the trick in the book. You are exactly right, sir. <laughs> but uh, so that's gonna be an adjustment for me the, in the in the finance department but uh this will be an interesting uh, aspect uh, it's gonna go it's it's going all streaming you know this is a, this is a pretty big move uh wanted to get your guys thoughts on the uh the sunday ticket transition well i see i've never been a sunday ticket guy like i've enjoyed it when i've flown i've flown at times over the years and i think one of the airlines Jeff Blue. yeah there you go plug plug feel free to sponsor the show <laughs> uh so I would watch and it was good. But otherwise, I'll be honest, my viewing watch for the NFL in the regular season has drastically changed over the years. First of all, because the Miami Dolphins, which is my team, has stunk most of this time period. So um, I really, you know, and we don't get Dolphin games every week here in Orlando. I've become an addictive red zone guy with Scott Hansen. That's become my one o'clock to four o'clock watch. And even expanding that to, depending on what the 425 game, I'll have the red zone on the whole day because I, I feel like I'm watching every game with the red zone. I'm watching the best parts. In fact, you know, the New England-Oakland wacky finish, I was able to watch it live because it was on the red zone channel. I would not have been able to watch that yeah. otherwise. Right. So I'm the wrong guy when it comes to direct TV or, or the as far as the ticket because I'm not a ticket guy. I know I have friends of mine that are that like to watch their team specifically, but I've never been that guy, so it won't affect me as much. Uh, but you're right. I mean, from a streaming, I think that's where everything's going. I'm just happy that Scott Hansen in the red zone is staying. They're getting rid of the direct TV version, which makes me sad actually, because I'm a Siciliano guy myself. So see, I'm a Hanson guy. I'm a Hanson guy. So, and that's, and I get that package without having the Sunday ticket. So as long as that's the case, I'm good. Uh, because I, I, I think the sun, the red zone is a revolution. It's really changed. And other sports have tried to copy it, but it's hard to do. Yeah. Football has been able to, the perfect sport for it. Yeah. And you got to give direct TV credit for that. Cause that, you know, they, they birthed that child. They started it, you know, and, uh, birthed it out. And, um, you know, the YouTube thing will be interesting because if you, what happens if you lose your internet? You know, you go from DirecTV where you're worried about if you have thunderstorms to now, well, what if my internet connect goes all, goes out? The bigger thing I think this affects is the bars. The bars have to adapt to this because they need that package 
from their bit because that's the other thing. When I don't, when I when I've gone out, I've gone out and watched games at the bars. That's why I'm not a ticket guy. If I wanted to watch the Dolphins and they're not on locally, I'm going to the bar to watch the game. So that's the ones that'll be interesting to see how they kind of ma- maneuver that and make those adjustments. Yeah, I had heard that there was some sort of potential deal that uh, that YouTube would make with Directv to help supply the bar business, but it would kind still like be what Amazon did. Like Amazon did with the bars this year. Yeah, too. so that. so That's that yeah. that might be in the works. But uh, like I said, I'm a Siliana guy. I, I prefer his version uh, of of the Red Zone Channel. Now, what's interesting is a lot of people don't realize is Andrew is an employee of NFL Network as well. He's on during the week uh, weekdays. I mean, could they both share posting duties no. on that? No. no. No, no. Seven hours of commercial free football, Jeff, is is what Scott Hansen is about. Witching hour. No, that can't happen. I, I so I was a long time direct TV guy, and I gave it up uh, probably about five years ago because I found all like we've talked about it before. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm not trying to brag here, but the Cowboys are typically on TV wherever you're at, right? They're typically yeah. getting the game each week, either the Sunday night, Monday night game, or they're on that 425 time slot. So I started doing the math in my head, and really, I wasn't getting a benefit from having Sunday ticket because the Cowboys were always on my local TV anyway. So I got rid of direct TV for a year as kind of a trial, and I became like Eric. I became a red zone guy, and I, I'm hooked. I, I won't go back to buying Sunday ticket. I can get my Cowboys fix typically through the just the local broadcast. If not, you get enough of the Cowboys on the red zone. I can catch up with the game afterwards to fill in the blanks that I missed out on. So I'm also the kind of the wrong guy in this one. My only concern is, and I, it's Google who owns YouTube TV. Yep. I assume they're pretty smart. If they've made a couple dollars here and there. They better have that infrastructure nailed down, right? Because to Eric's point, if there's buffering, if there's lagging, if channels don't load, it'll just be a fiasco, a disaster. I assume they have beefed up the infrastructure to make this work across however many hundreds of millions of homes are going to do this. But that's my only concern is to Eric's point, that technical piece is, is going to be huge and you cannot screw that up out of the gate. If you get week one, week two with tech issues, I mean, that's off to a bad start. I also just wonder for people, there's such this debate, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a second with some of the other topics on, on the agenda, Jeff, but going from TV to, to, to internet, right? I want to watch this. Now I want to flip here. I want to flip here. I want to flip here. Luckily, the NFL will be all combined, but if you have any interest outside of the NFL that you want to flip to, now you need two devices. I just wonder how long that'll happen. That'll, that'll take place before there's fatigue on that, but infrastructure better be nailed down solid. And to Eric's point, you got to figure out how to handle the mass crowd situation on how you get that. And, you know, in the jumbotron at, at whatever stadium and, and the sports bar down the street, right? I think those, those are a large audience base you don't want to alienate yeah you don't want to be when yahoo had a london game remember they 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 got crushed with traffic yeah. and and it was it was brutal in fairness though hasn't direct tv had issues in recent I was gonna years say, too direct tv isn't exactly killing the game by the way on like we've got all our tech nailed down but when it happens like you see social media explode and direct tv ends up giving people free stuff and free hbo which i'm sure is a write-off at the end of the day for them but it's, you better have that tech nailed down if you're if you're google and youtube tv because um if, if not you're gonna have nfl fans up up in arms too it's also gonna change routines and i think I think that's the one thing about NFL fans too, sports fans in general. We're all very 
very routine driven, right? You get up, it's 1245, you go to the couch, you turn the TV on, you go to this channel, you watch the game, you get your chips, you get your soda. And now you got to go get the streaming thing out, right? You got to log in. What's my password? Am I in there? Am I not? I, I just wonder how much people will take to changing their routine, particularly around something like the NFL, which is a sacred cow for many, many, many people in, in, uh, in the country. Any other additional thoughts on that, Eric? Well, is the Sunday ticket as important now? I mean, to, I mean, Adam brought up the point. If you're a Cowboy fan, do you really need it? Like, you're on all the time. Plus, yeah, there's probably four times a year they're they're not yeah. on locally here. Right? right. The other issue is we have Thursday night football on Amazon. You've got Sunday night football. You've got Monday night football. you got these uh, moving forward. Peacock's going to get an exclusive game. Uh, ESPN Plus now has an exclusive game. NFL Network gets games. You're not getting the full package that you used to from a Sunday ticket standpoint. So I do wonder how many, I wonder, I don't know if they've released numbers. Like how many people are still Sunday ticket whole, uh, people, subscribers versus say five, 10 years ago? Like we talk all the time about people cutting the cord. How many people have already cut Sunday ticket in general and made that well, adjustment? Well, that's why I, I kept wonder. getting it for free. They want to get yeah. subs. <laughs> and Eric, you bring up a great point, right? So a quick math. You get five games uh, uh, each week if you want them. You get the Thursday, you get three on Sunday, Mon- uh, Sunday night, and Monday. Or you get five games right there alone. How many times were you watching the late window and poor Scott Hansen was juggling two games when you add in all the bye game, all the bye weeks, right? And there's such a small schedule. You know, you can probably get a good majority of the games. I would say if you'd watch those five, how many games are left for you on Sunday to actually consume and absorb, right? Because with bye weeks, stretch the season out, things like that. I, I just wonder where the value is at. If you do the value and how much you're paying per game, it's probably some of that you would not want to tell your accountant or your wife. <laughs> well, you know, and and, that, and you brought up a great point too because uh, it's it was the same on Directv's Red Zone, right? You have two games at four o'clock. You know, maybe do you know maybe do seven and five or something. You know, make it a little more equal. And I will tell you this, and I'm sure you will probably agree. Even you, you know whether whether you like the the Directv version or the NFL version, that 3.30 to 4.15 is like the best television there is. (laughs) Which is why, you know, because on social media, I know, Adam, your co-host colleague, uh, Mike, has suggested stagnant times. Why not do NFL do stagnant times? Because they did that. You had that weird situation with the Titan game that got pushed back. The problem is I don't think the NFL wants that. Because of that reason you just brought up, Jeff, that 330, 415, everybody's glued on whatever game they're watching or they're watching Red Zone. You're glued on the NFL at that point. And that adds grow that number. Whereas I would argue if you stagnate like college football, they kind of cannibalize themselves by going head to head against each other if you're stagnating the times. So plus you're obviously talking about network you know, schedules, like you're messing up Murder, She Wrote. You're messing up a bunch of stuff Murder. if you go there. She That's still on. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe not. 60 minutes whatever whatever is on so you can't just do it but i think that's another big part of why these games are not going to be stagnant because the nfl likes this formula and, and in their defense it works it's the most popular television show i think 82 out of a top 100 tv uh programs were yeah. NFL. nfl yeah unbelievable and that's why 90, 92 of the top 100 were live uh, live sports. Yeah, and that's why they're getting billions from streaming services now to, to, to get a part of that pie. Uh, yeah, speaking of streaming, uh, MLS is going exclusively to Apple TV, so they're leaving Fox, ESPN for the world of streaming 100%. 
Yeah, I think that's a very dicey move. Uh, just just on the surface, I mean, this is this is not you a think? this is not a sport <laughs> that uh, that has resonated, uh, you know, with a vast majority of sports fans, right? I'm a big soccer fan. I like soccer too. I'm, no, no, and I've gone to MLS games. I've gone to Orlando City games. They're fun. All right, so let me just say that because I don't want to make you know I'm going to be I'm about to trash them, but I enjoy soccer. Love the World Cup. You know all that. It is that first of all, the, I don't even want to. We don't even get. We don't even have time to get into the issues that the MLS has and why they haven't been able to draw more people. The fact that your most important games are going up against American football—that's not. Yeah, that's not good. But the fact they're going exclusive Apple and getting rid of your local television broadcast yeah. to me is insanity. Like out of sight, out of mind. Like. I don't. I just don't. I don't under. I mean, well, I know why they did it. I mean, it's. I'm not dumb. They did it because that's the most money they got, and they are still going to have some linear opportunities with Fox, I believe, maybe the postseason, et cetera. But how are you going to? How are you going to get anybody to tune in? Like, I was a casual person that would watch MLS from June to August before the NFL, and a lot of that would be watching the local broadcast with my friend Evan Weston, who would do the Orlando City games. I'm not going to Apple. Just so I can watch MLS? Like, no. I and more importantly, now that you're not with ESPN, <laughs> what's the over-under on a 60-minute sports center? A minute highlight, maybe, they get moving forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a big, big, big factor. Minute definitely. and a half? Yeah. Yeah, this one bums me out because nothing for me was was more fun, Eric, to your point. On a Saturday afternoon, randomly at four o'clock, you're home, nothing's going on. And I'd go to either my ESPN Plus app or I'd go to TV and, you know, Montreal's playing Philly, right? And you're like, ah, you know what? I don't know much about these two, but I like watching soccer. I'm going to, I'm going to ingest this game, right? And there are more times than I can count that out of a randomness of life, I find myself in front of my TV or near my TV with an MLS game on on two teams that I don't really root for, right? I, I typically more root for Orlando. Into a city um, than anything else, but with two teams I don't root for, and I was intrigued by the by the by the match, right? I was intrigued by what I was watching. I'm not going to be like I think I messaged this to to Jeff in a while back. Like, if you are a streaming consumer right now, and your sports are your are your perspective, where are you putting your dollar? You think about what ESPN Plus offers you, right? You get you get all the different sports that you have there. Plus, you get their 30 for 30 catalog, documentaries, you know, all the college sports in the world that you want to handle. You get to watch our, our good friend Eric Lopez, you know, on uh, a couple of days a week doing softball, right? You get all of that. Thank you. You get all of that on ESPN Plus, right? Now I've got to get Peacock if I want to do some, you know, some of that stuff, right? Now I got to get Paramount for CBS stuff. You know, Netflix is getting involved. Amazon Prime's getting involved. My kids want Disney Plus. There's a good movie on Hulu. Now I got to get Apple TV for that. There's just so many options that as a sports fan, now I got to get NFL Sunday ticket if I want if I want YouTube TV. I just think Apple and 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 I understand why they make the deal, right? They want to get in the sports game. They want to prove that they can do this model so they can maybe get involved in the business someplace else. But as a soccer fan, if you're not a diehard, I'm having a hard time saying to myself, I'm going to throw some money down to, to get on uh, on Apple TV. I do like what they're trying to do. Eric mentioned this earlier. They're trying to go to that NFL model where they're putting a lot of their matches on at the same time to try to get some of that like, hey, let's let's do a Sunday ticket, you know, a red zone variety channel. I just don't know how many people are really going to fork over that money to, to watch MLS when I've got to pay for ESPN Plus. I've got to pay for a Sunday ticket now. Maybe I have a niche sport that I like that I want to get on another channel. Plus, I got kids who want Disney and Netflix. I just think that streaming dollar is going to get stretched awful thin for a lot of sports fans. Something's going to get cut out. 
and I think it's going to be MLS. I don't think anyone is really going to sit down and go, hey, I'm going to give up Sunday ticket for MLS. I think you're going to find very few people who are going to want to do that. And that's what sucks. Because as a soccer fan, you want to see this grow in the country. This feels like a move where you set yourself back a couple of years because you lose a lot of that audience base. Um, I don't want to... I was trying to think of a parallel, right? And it's not the apples to apples, but you think about the 94 baseball strike and kind of what that did to fans. I feel like this is kind of that same thing where soccer fans are like, well, I'll catch the highlights, you know, the 30 seconds I see on ESPN, right? I think this could be a really devastating move for MLS. Not to mention you can watch better soccer from around the world on Premier League and La Liga and things yeah. like that. Well, and that's the other problem. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, you joke, but Premier League outdraws MLS TV. That's probably why the ESPN, they didn't go overboard to spend money on the MLS you know, they probably have other properties they're going to use to replace that. Like, I think you're going to see more college softball and college baseball, for example, in, in that spot. Uh, the NBA deal is coming up. So maybe if they get a new deal with the NBA, you might see more NBA on. Uh, you're probably right. English Premier La Liga, that all draws more. Um, I, and by the way, this is not just an American issue. I don't think they even re-signed either with the Spanish partners in Telemundo either, which is nuts. I mean, you're talking about passionate soccer fans. I would know. Uh, <laughs> that's one of them. So I, I just, man, you're just going out of sight, out of mind. I mean, you're going the route of arena football, in my opinion, if you're not careful with that. And I, and I don't know all the particulars, right? But I think I have this right. Isn't isn't the U.S. national team now on HBO Max? Yes, they uh, so started I, that too, yeah. So again, another another core soccer function in this country is now going to be behind a paywall that you have to go grab, right? So it just feels like you're you're boxing all those fans to have to get into different genres. Another service now that I have to get if I actually want to watch the national team play, right? And I, I think you're to Eric's point. I just I feel like this is a move where it's going to be out of sight, out of mind. Oh, I can't get it anyway. I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to find that. I can only do so many fake email seven day trials before I just give up and say, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm done, you know, and I'm, I'm going to move on to something else. And that, that, that's unfortunate for the soccer fan in the country who wants to find a way to follow their team, especially coming off a world cup where granted the U.S. obviously did not perform. I think a lot of people thought, but these are the times typically where you can galvanize and say, Hey, come see Walker Zimmerman, the world cup star play for the Nashville, whatever they are is right. Only on Apple TV for fifteen ninety nine a month, right? That's where you sort of lose any sort of good real goodwill, any sort of momentum you've had off a a decent, I guess, World Cup run for the U.S. national team. Yeah, I mean, I'm not anti streaming by any stretch, uh, you know. And I would tell you, like, you know, I think I yes, make a living out of working on a broadcasting stream. Well, trust me. well, I well, I tell you, <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, ESPN Plus to me, that's worth every penny I spend. That's the model, yeah. That, yeah. But that, to your point, Eric, that's the right way to do the model, right? We'll get you access to things that you we know you want to watch, plus all these other add-ons, right? Obviously, we're all UCF guys, right? I want to watch UCF sports. They're all on ESPN Plus. I'm all in. I'm getting my bank for my buck, being able to watch you on softball on a Thursday, baseball on a Friday. I can catch a thirty for thirty. I'm missed on a Sunday, right? I can catch a basketball game on a Tuesday. I'm getting my money's worth to grab one Sunday a, uh, a week for MLS, and I'm sure there's a Monday or Tuesday or something. It just I can't I can't justify that from a cost standpoint. And ESPN still has the linear options for us, right? You know, you you can still watch them on on over the air television or or cable rather, and and satellite well, Fox TV. Will have yeah. that. Fox, I believe yeah. Fox will have the, the those games, the the more important ones, perhaps. But I just don't know how you generate interest or audiences outside of uh you know you know your diehards basically, and you're banking on Logan. How do you spread the word? I mean, I mean, I'm in Orlando. Orlando City used to be huge, but they're not anymore. And Good luck going up against a UCF football game on a Saturday for, you know, for interest. I mean, they got crushed 
even last summer, they, there was an exhibition, to your point. There was an English Premier League exhibition game that was played at the Citrus Bowl while Orlando City was playing. It got crushed. Like, the, the Citrus Bowl was sold out at 60,000, 70,000, where Orlando City was barely drawing, like, 15. So, um, head scratcher, but... They're grabbing a, They're grabbing the money. That's what they went. They went for the money, and they kind of, you know, they yeah. made that sacrifice. Yeah, and I will say they're they're trying to invest. I saw they they hired Tara Twelman from ESPN. They put together a, a really decent, you know, broadcast group of individuals. So I think they're trying to invest. But I, I just it's one of those. Oh, I think, the, yeah, I think right? the quality broadcast and all that will be better than what baseball has on Apple. I'm going to defer to Jeff on that. He's the baseball guy. I mean. That hasn't. I mean, do you do you think that has worked for baseball at all? Like, I feel like it's a similar thing. The difference is, you know, baseball has got like a, a thousand other games we could f- find elsewhere. But I haven't watched one second of an MLB game on Apple. I've watched, I will never do that. I've watched maybe three innings. You know, and you know, it's it, yeah. I think I think it'll be putting games exclusively on streaming like that. You do you can't get anywhere is a bad move. Uh, I mean, that's a sport that needs. That needs eyeballs in, in a desperate way. So, yeah, I, yeah, I just don't think that you can box yourself in to just a streaming option. I think that's I think you know you might get the short term game of the uh, the short term gain of the money, but long range, I don't know if that's such a good good plan. But is is the NFL and maybe college football are those the only two sports that could go exclusive behind a paywall and people would not care they'd buy it no matter what. Is there, is there another sport out there that if you said, hey, if the NBA was only paywall, is the NFL and college football? I don't, football, I don't, think, the NBA, I don't think, think the NBA could, could do it. I, no, I, I think I, the yeah. NFL, and I think the NFL is probably the only one. I don't even know, like college, depending on who you are, I don't know if you could pull that off either. The hmm. problem that basketball, the NBA and baseball have is there's games elsewhere. Like there's games every night. So if I miss this one particular Wednesday night because it's exclusive on Apple or what Amazon, whatever, I'll yeah, just, no big deal. Yeah, I'll yeah. tune in another night. Yeah, that's the problem, and that's the problem. You know, the MLS. I think they, you know, they're trying to do this foot. You know, hey, this is exclusive. It's you gotta, you know, I don't think it's gonna work either. I don't think people are gonna make their adjustments. If anything, I think they're gonna find something else to watch or do instead of watching an MLS game. Instead, yeah, my money is that they're gonna end up spending money. To get back in a linear format before the deal's up, okay. yeah, I think All I right. think that's good, truly going to happen because they're they're it's going to dwindle. I think it's going to dwindle. They're going to get de- they're going to get yeah, de- they're going to get desperate. So, um, and by the way, you were talking about NBA and NFL. I forgot to put this one on our list, but uh, Christmas Day, you know, the NFL uh, invaded the NBA's territory and they curb stomped them. <laughs> it's, I mean. They're four. What was it? Four, three of the four games outdrew every single NBA game on their own. Yeah, I, there's a reason why all networks try to avoid going head to head against the NFL. Yeah, which is make a note of that college football playoff committee. <laughs> yes, when you make your expanded college football schedule, don't you try to go up against head to head against the NFL because you will get smoked too. And guess That's what? My advice. And guess what? I bet you anything. The NFL is going to take Christmas Day next year because it'll be on a Monday, and oh, I bet yeah. they will. And I bet they'll throw a triple header at the NBA on that on that Monday. They'll definitely have games on. I mean, the NFL could do whatever it wants. 
<laughs> really? I mean, people, it, the, it's proven. Like, if they move games around, they're, you know, they're moved. So, again, and I'm being serious. I, college, I know people, like, you know, have their opinions whether they like the playoff. I don't mind the expanding of the playoff. I don't like the fact they're going to expand this into deep into late January, especially if they think they're going to go against the NFL because they're not going to win that battle. They're not going to get the coverage. They're not. It's, I think it's hurt their national title game because nobody really talks about the title game because it's usually up against an NFL wild card weekend or whatever. They better be careful how they schedule this playoff in college football. I personally think they should do it in December exclusively. But if they're going to go deep into January, they might be disappointed with some of their numbers, or they may have to be creative. Don't be. They might have to do like you know Thursday night college football playoffs or something. We'll mm. see. Yeah, Adam, you got a thought on that? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a huge NBA guy. I did not watch a single solitary second of of NBA basketball on Christmas Day. Now, typically, I, I'd watch I'd watch the Heat, who are not very good this year. I don't think they they didn't have a Christmas Day game, but I would I would historically sit down and watch. I didn't watch a single. I didn't watch a ball dribble the entire Christmas Day. And and to Eric's point, I forgot it was on actually uh, because I was so the one o'clock game. I think it was the Dolphins, if I remember correctly, on Christmas Dolphins, Day. Dolphins, Dolphins, Packers, yeah. Dolphins, Packers, right? So I didn't even I didn't, I forgot there was a noon tip off on on ESPN. So I. I agree with Eric. I think the the NBA is probably going to be wise to figure out their schedule and maybe make nice with Roger Goodell and be like, hey, can you please not? Can you give us these six hours and we'll give you this? Roger but, says you can um, have Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, it. you can have Wednesday at uh, at one. It would be my guess, but I agree. It was it was a uh, uh, it certainly was uh, something I forgot about, and I typically would watch that every year. Yeah. All right. So. Uh Interesting tidbit on our list. So there was a Roger Twible sighting. Now, most of our audience probably goes, who is that <laughs> to begin with? So I guess he did, did a UCF game recently. And I think the last time I saw him do a game was like five, six years ago or something on some obscure network. But this is a guy that goes back to like the the early days of ESPN Center. I mean, we're talking young Chris Berman, young Bob Lee, uh, George Grand, people like that. More names people don't know in the audience don't know. But uh, <laughs> so, how does that come about? Uh, that uh, that we get Roger Twible <laughs> of all people. Yeah, I mean, Eric, Eric may have more insight than I do because he's kind of plugged into UCF. I'll just, my only comment on is this. I thought it was cool to see somebody that you hadn't seen in a long time kind of come out of uh, retirement, whatever you call his situation, and call a game. I think that's cool every now and again, right? If, if, and we're UCF guys, right? If Marv Albert all of a sudden showed up at UCF to call a game, like that'd be freaking cool, right? Yes. He's, he's in retirement. <laughs> he shows up. That would be cool and fun. But honestly, here was the thing I was thinking about because I think he's doing the game this, this week as well. So we're recording this on a Tuesday. I believe I saw he's doing the Wednesday night UCF Houston game. One of you two can keep me honest if I have that wrong. The only thing I don't like about that is, and I'm not saying this just because he's sitting across the screen from me here, but I think ESPN Plus is a great platform for for people like Eric to get their opportunity to call games, get their opportunity to get in front of the audience. And so I don't mind a sprinkling in of a legend every now and again, but I think I, I like that platform for the, the 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 people to get opportunities to call games and be a part of the TV coverage. So I like the one-offs. Again, if Marv Albert showed up next week and was calling, you know, UCF and you know Cincinnati, I'd be fine with. 
with that, but I don't, I don't know if I want to make it a, a long term thing, but it was good to see Roger and it was a good one game stint, but I don't want this to become a, 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 a traditional every week thing. I'd like to see more of some of the other broadcasters I'm used to and, and, and giving guys like an Eric Lopez the chance to be able to, to get that, that, that repetition in and get, uh, get some TV time. Well, I'm all for Elo because, you know, he's undefeated on the radio doing UCF basketball. So sure, sure. we need all the help <laughs> we get right now. <laughs> can you call Wednesday night game and then can you call Saturdays too, Eric? Because we need some help. Um, Eighty, I, 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 you know, softball's around the corner. That's all. I'll stick to my <laughs> my lane there. But I'll say this: uh, I would broadcasting stuff a lot of time. It's networking. Who do you know? And I think part of it, maybe they're what they're going for too. Is that as I mentioned it a lot in this show, that big game feel. If you have a big name, I mean, Roger Twibel was a big name. Like wow. Um, I don't know the, the particulars about it. Uh, I'm actually going to mark this down because I will be at the Houston game. So I'm like, I'm going to address, try to get Jeff Allen's question answered. Can you guys help me answer that question for the next time? I don't know. It was interesting. I didn't know. I don't really know a ton. I'm not involved on the ESPN Plus basketball side. I know that uh, Austin Lyon has done most of the games this year with Michael Donald. They do a great job. So uh, I know it's not easy. I, it's not an easy job to book that. I actually... Uh, the first year of ESPN Plus, uh, uh, I had to book my job. I was given the responsibility of booking who I was working with as far as an analyst for softball. Not an easy job because you got to figure out who's available. Are they available at this date, at this time? What happens if they back out? So I will say that is not an easy job just filling out those roles. Are they so any good? I, <laughs> I, I'm definitely yeah. – right. What if they're not good? Do the audience like? Do they not? You know, make sure everybody, the proper people know. So there's a lot of logistics that go into it. Uh, I do know that. I don't know how, you know, like I said, I didn't watch a ton of that broadcast. So I can't really say too much. I actually was listening to Mark and Taylor, ironically, when Mark literally got into a fight <laughs> over the point controversy where I, I, I thought we were about the, the UCF was about to get Max Struess out of that game <laughs> after Adam yeah. had just brought it up earlier on a tweet. I remember Adam had brought it up to me about, I don't know how Struess came up, but you, you came up some, during that game. And then that controversy about the UCF losing a point happened. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Adam had just brought this up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, turns was, out we didn't. Thankfully they figured it out, but it was wild. Yeah, Mark so, was losing his mind on the air. Oh no, I was, I was, I was uh, sitting, uh, uh, second deck baseline and we're looking over and like, what the hell is Mark so upset about? <laughs> he was, his arms are flailing. He was, <laughs> well, because, well, and I know this having filled in, I know the inside. He keeps track. He has his own book. He's an old, he keeps track of who's scoring the points. So he has his own book. He knows what the score is. He's to his credit, uh, on that too. Cause that night, uh, UCF, there was having issues with the stat monitors and stuff like that. That's right. Yes. But as a broadcaster, you're taught to keep track of your own score, like book, you know, score your own game. He does that. That's why he was livid. Cause he's like, where is this point that you're taking away from? What missed free throw? He was ready to, well, he, lost for that he lost his mind. He lost his mind. Yeah. Um, and he talked about it on his radio show afterwards. It was phenomenal. Uh, I've, it was tremendous stuff. Uh, what a highlight for the basketball season, which was a great end. Wait, wait, a great way to end the season. I thought, wait, wait, the season hasn't ended yet. No, oh. no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it only feels like it's this way. Have a one since then, but oh, uh, uh, that was a great game, by the way, for sure. Uh, it was a great game, awesome yeah, great game, game, a great spectacle there. So uh, we'll see how Rogers. I guess Adam, you're the one. You're going to have to be the Roger Twibel. I'm with it. Amp. I'm on You're, it. The, you're I'm the, on the one it. that will not be in the building for the Houston game, like me and I'm Jeff on Allen. It. I got my pen. I'm ready to go. All right, he's on the case. Um, <laughs> on the and, case. and of course, uh, speaking of analysts, uh, you know, 
Uh, and I think you know Adam gets the credit because you know he 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 made it, he made his uh, he made his bones on the Sons of UCF, and you know he did games for ESPN Plus last year. Now he's on CBS Sports Network. BJ Taylor, former night guard, great. Uh, so that's really cool. You know, you, 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 we got we got him. We got MOD. You know, we got UCF guys uh, rising through Listen, the ranks in UCF broadcast. UCF basketball, we produce analysts, baby. We got Michael Dono's doing ESPN games this year and CBS Sports Network. Yep. BJ Taylor now on CBS Sports Network. I mean, it's a who's who here. And yeah, BJ, man, thanks to Sons of UCF. You guys get, are you guys getting any piece of the action there? I mean, you put them on the map. He won't return our calls. It's, it's, he got that blue blazer with the uh, CBS logo and he changed his number all of a sudden. No, I mean, that's a lot of that's credit to, to Trey Stroko who, uh, forged a relationship with BJ and, and kind of kept nagging him to come on the show and BJ relented and finally did that, which obviously got him some reps, but cool to see to, to Eric's point. I love seeing UCF, uh, you know, folks, particularly, you know, you said this earlier, Jeff, we're, we're, we're all not that old, but you know, it's fun to see someone's career go from rooting for them on the court, cheering for them on the, on the field to now seeing them take that next step in their career and get into the broadcast booth. We, we had a chance with Michael Donald to do that. Hopefully BJ has that same, that same lane too. And I think he's really good. I think he'll have an opportunity to continue to get some reps, get better. You know, he's not exactly drawing the most high profile games. I think I saw he did like UAB. Middle Tennessee State the other day or something. So Mid conference USA that, level, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a great chance to, to to build some reps. And who knows, five years from now, come tournament time, if it's still CBS and Turner, they got a bunch of games on, right? If they expand that thing to ninety six games, which are ninety six teams, which we talked about, <laughs> I agree with that. By the way, but if they do, they're going to need voices. And BJ Taylor sitting right there. Maybe one day we see BJ Taylor calling a, a tournament game. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I'd like to see MOD get that shot too. I mean, he's, yeah. I think Mike's definitely knocking on the door. I mean, this year has been big. The fact he's doing linear ESPN games, doing American games, he's doing uh, CBS Sports Network games. I think he's doing uh, West, uh, the uh, Mountain West, some Mountain West games, some West Coast conference. He's definitely moving up the food chain. I think it's only a matter of time. But look, man, I, the broadcasting is a tough profession. It's a very competitive field. It's tough to crack a door, let alone open it. Uh, but yeah, we're. I'll tell you this. I'm confident we're ready for the Big 12 in basketball when it comes to commentating. I can tell you that. Yeah, that, that much that, that much you can bank on for sure. All right. So uh, before we let you guys go, uh, another outstanding effort uh, by you guys as always. Uh, Got to get those shameless plugs in. Eric? Well, you can catch me uh, starting February 9th on ESPN Plus. Speaking of which, it's been brought up a few times. UCF ranked in the top 25 in all the preseason polls, depending where you check. They'll be hosting Georgia, the top 25. We'll have all the home games this year for uh, on softball there. So hopefully you'll tune in with myself and a cast of thousands on the broadcast crew there. Maybe we'll get... Maybe we'll get like you guys out there on the left field lounge. Maybe do well, one of these shows. Earlier, you said you get to book your own analyst. I don't know. Jeff and I may be available if you get into a pinch. Well, two years just... ago, they, they've stripped that away from each tent. Ah, uh, unfortunately, two years too late. Bummer. I can get you into the left field lounge and some free drinks, though. <laughs> well, well, now you're talking. You're... That might be just as good, actually. Yeah. Uh, probably better. Um, I'll be out in a few games, that's for sure. Oh, I like the sound of that. So, yeah, chess is out. Obviously, UCF softball season gets going there in February. Follow me on Eric Lopez Elo, Asan Black and Go Banneret. We'll write some content, other UCF stuff, uh, and much more. And then, uh, yeah, in the circle softball. If you're looking for more softball, I'll be hosting, I'll be hosting a lot of podcasts this time of year and talking a lot of softball, so I apologize in advance. But I will still throw in other sports commentary on Eric Lopez-Elo. There you go. All right, Adam. 
All right, you can catch uh, me as part of the Sons of UCF crew. We do a weekly audio podcast available wherever you get your downloadable content. We do a live show Thursday, streams on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. That's usually 8 p.m. Uh, go to our YouTube channel, at Sons of UCF. Subscribe to that. A bunch of cool videos. We got a couple of reporters working for us now. Leo Rodriguez is working for us, doing some stuff at basketball. We'll do some baseball stuff for us. We got some features on there as well, so check out our YouTube page. Social media is wherever you do that kind of stuff, at Sons of UCF. You can follow us there. Uh, follow UCF Mike One and chat at SignPez for Trace Trelco, and you'll get all the UCF Sons of UCF content you can handle. Yeah, I tell you, budding enterprise there. You, know, you guys got all this merch out these days, and you got uh, you know, hiring reporters. Line, yeah. Man, this has become quite new, the new hat I have on my head that you all it's can't a, see, but uh, Eric hat. and Jeff can. Uh, also, twonightsmedia.com. Leo and then John Weiss are writing some articles for us pregame uh, basketball stuff, some postgame stuff as well, too. So we'll see if at one point we can get some actual articles presented. We're a bit of a ragtag crew around here. <laughs> Y'all. All you guys do a great job out there covering the UCF landscape, that's for sure. So we definitely appreciate that. And as always, appreciate the uh, the contributions to our Media Spotlight podcast. These are always uh, among my favorites to do uh, this particular show. So guys, uh, uh, with that in mind, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll roll a little music going out. Since we've upgraded the facilities here at the JAS Studios. <laughs> budgets man we gotta make, big, Adam, yeah. I, think, I think he's topped our budgets um, here our respective shows yeah i burned yeah. it all in the first month but you know it's all good <laughs> <laughs> guys thanks again always a pleasure thanks jeff always a pleasure jeff and with that we are done here thanks for listening to jeff allen sports talk Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net. Central Florida, it's Pebo Bryson. Baby, can you stop the Double Oscar Award winner, Pebo Bryson, performing live at the third annual Apopka International Jazz Festival, Saturday, March 25th, at the beautiful Apopka Amphitheater, hosted by world-renowned saxophonist Kim Water, along with urban keyboardist Kayla Water and jazz violinist King of String, Ken Ford. Pebo Bryson, live. For complete details, log on to International Jazz Fest.com.